This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's my music. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 92, and we will be jamming around Japan, volume 2. And by my side on this adventure is a first-time guest here on the show. He is a contributor for Voices of Wrestling. It's Paul Volsch. Hello, Paul. Hello, Andrew. Uh, so happy to finally be joining you for Music of the Mad. It's actually one of my favorite uh, podcasts on the whole network. I'm very, very happy that I finally uh, get to do an episode with you. Yeah, I'm glad you're on here. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's funny. A few episodes ago, I had on Sean Cedor, and we talked about being on that episode of Five Star Match Game about uh, 2010's WWE trivia, and you were the third man on that episode, and every once in a while, you know, I, I think back to Sean's final question and how uh, you were on mute just screaming into your mic because <laughs> you knew the answer. It always cracks me up. <laughs> that was like, and I think I literally unmuted myself like a millisecond after he answered it wrong and just screamed the answer. <laughs> Well, uh, since this is your first time on the show here, Paul, I'll ask you this question. Uh, when did you first become a wrestling fan? Uh, I first became a wrestling fan. I think that's actually, like, it's actually relatively recently. It's actually, well, it was, I think it's pretty much exactly 10 years ago, funnily enough. Uh, when was when I became, like, a regular. Like, I had watched on and off, like, before that, but that's when I became, like, that's when I got in, like, properly, and I have stayed in, like, consistently since then. So I don't. I haven't really been a fan of the kids. I think that gives me a slightly different perception from most other people. But it's interesting, nonetheless. I want to say. And uh, has music played a big part in your wrestling fandom at all? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's actually, I think, one of the things that like kept me in at first. Like, I think, like most people, I really kind of started off watching like mostly kind of like WWE and that kind of stuff, even though I've very much transitioned out of that now but <laughs> music really was like the thing that kind of kept me invested in wrestling at first because at first i really like i was mostly just interested in like the theme songs and kind of like finishes of matches and i would sometimes like skip around to the finishes and for the longest time i thought maybe i just don't like the wrestling part of it but then i realized when i like branched out and started watching other stuff especially japan i realized oh no it's actually just we that i don't like so <laughs> yeah yeah, it helps when the wrestling is actually good, you know, <laughs> that does help in a lot of ways, I think. Yeah, but um, but uh, yeah, well, today, Paul, we are here doing another Jammin' Around Japan episode. Uh, it's been a little while since the last one, uh, over a year, actually, I think. Um, but the concept is pretty simple, uh, just talking about various themes from around Japanese wrestling. Um, no hard set rules, uh, except I, I try to stay away from New Japan because their music does get a lot of attention on, on this podcast and, uh, and and wrestling fandom in general. So I, I want to focus on other pro companies here. And uh, really, you know, now is a great time to do an episode like this because, you know, literally everything is happening in Pearl right now at the same time. It's, it's crazy. We got the G1 Climax. We got uh, Noah's N1 Victory Tournament, the Champion Carnival, 
Uh, Stardom's five-star Grand Prix just wrapped up, I think. Uh, Dragon Gate doing a big cage match. It's like there, there's just so much going on in Pearl right now. And, you know, it, it could be a bit overwhelming, I think, Paul. That, that's for sure. Oh, definitely, definitely. Like, we're in the middle of proper tournament season. I think the biggest tournament season that we've really ever seen. Like, I mean, obviously, we have, like, all of the big ones that you mentioned. And then, but then we also just had the participants of the Fire Festival announced. So that's going to kick off soon. And I think Big Japan is also going to start a tag league as well. And then I think there's, like, a Joshi tournament. I think, I think wave or someone or ice ribbon i don't remember but there's someone who's like kicking off their tournament as well so it's just an insane amount of stuff going on at the same time so you're definitely spoiled for choice and you can really pretty much just spend the entire day just watching Koro, which it's a nice change of pace from early in the year i want to say <laughs> yeah yeah i mean I know we're in a pandemic right now, but uh, the wrestling never stops, <laughs> whether it's in the States, in Japan. Uh, I know CMLL in Mexico is starting back up, uh, RevPro in the UK. So if you want wrestling, you got wrestling. <laughs> you may not have other things right now, but you got the wrestling at least. So there you go. There you go. Um, so let's start off here with All Japan. And the wrestler we'll focus on is Jake Lee, one of the members of the Jin Stable. Uh, Jake's theme is by a band called The Heavy, off their album The Glorious Dead. This is called Same Ole. So I think regardless of context, this is a great entrance theme. That opening drum beat, the cadence to it, the soulful swagger, but there's also a rock edge to it too, which is the heavy style, a rock-soul hybrid, big triumphant choruses, so you know, it, all of it makes just a fantastic song to walk out to as a wrestler and announce your presence. Um, I, I know Jake is someone who has been uh, critiqued by some for not exuding star power or a star presence, I think this song, it goes a long way in helping in that regard because it feels like a big-time song, Paul. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, funny enough, I mean, you just mentioned earlier, like, wrestling kind of being part of, like, your fandom as a wrestling fan. And I think one of the, and now we're getting a bit even more nerdy, I think one of the things that I think pretty much every wrestling fan has done is they have kind of thought about, like, what would my theme be if I was a wrestler, essentially. And this actually has been on my list and relatively high up as well so it's actually like a theme that was actually really happy and surprised when i heard jake come out to the scene and but 
as you said, it does project star power, but I almost feel that it doesn't necessarily fit Jake, or it at least doesn't fit the character that Jake is currently portraying. Because to me, the song always felt like more like a theme that would be more fitting to like a very like cocky kind of flashy heel as well. So like, let's say like, for example, if like a Ric Flair would like come up today, he would probably come out to a song exactly like this. Like, it just feels like a song where you just feel like someone is like just slowly swaggering out with just a big shit-eating grin on their face. And that's not necessarily who Jake is right now. So I always felt like I feel it enhances him, but I also feel like he's slightly the wrong character to be using this song at the same time. Well, I think looking at the lyrics and the story of Jake Lee these past few years, you know, he's someone who's been trying to break out on his own because he was with Miyahara in Next Dream for a few years, and Miyahara was clearly the star of that group. You know, he was, and he still is the star of the group. He still is the biggest star in all Japan. And then in 2018, he broke away, and now Jake Lee has been, you know, trying to overcome Miyahara and overcome that hurdle. But, uh, you know, Miyahara just keeps getting the better of him at every turn. And the song is about someone trying to escape a relationship and get away from this person who keeps messing with their emotions, but they can't. They keep getting suckered in. I believe if a man could fly, I'd be just like a bird, trying to escape from our lies, and the truth would never die. It would be just like I remembered when you swallowed my pride, when you were tucking that same old, and kept working that same old, and kept making that same old, old fool out of me. And that's what Miyahara has been doing. He's been making a fool out of Jake Lee, not just by beating him, of course, in the ring all the time, but in terms of having the bigger star presence and the bigger star power as well. And and Jake just, he can't seem to break away from Miyahara's orbit. So I, I think it's oddly appropriate for Jake to have this song uh, in that sense. Yeah, maybe he doesn't necessarily have the, the, the swagger to match it, but I think in terms of his story, it works a lot better, Paul. That's actually an interesting aspect that I hadn't actually thought about. And what actually adds like an interesting wrinkle to that is that he has kind of stopped using this theme during the current champion carnival, where he's like heavily favored to win the whole tournament and then finally win the triple crown afterwards. So it is actually interesting that he has actually dropped this exact theme that is probably, as I said, like it kind of ties to like him not being able to kind of escape Mia Harris' orbit. So, and that he is kind of going away from that now and maybe now we will actually finally be able to break away from him and not having him talk that same all all the time yeah he started using his old theme from 2016 uh, for the carnival again which you want to talk about appropriateness i mean (laughs) uh, the, the song is i'm shipping up to boston by the dropkick murphys who are from my neck of the woods uh they're from quincy massachusetts And uh, as Joe Lanza brought up on the flagship Patreon, a little befuddling as as to why Jake Lee, of all people, would come out to this kind of song, this this Celtic rock song about Boston. Um, I know Kyle O'Reilly used it on the indies. That makes sense. Uh, Jordan Devlin, Big Demo, they make sense. But Jake Lee, not Irish, not from Boston. (laughs) So it's it's a curious case, Paul. (laughs) I don't know. I'm too sure he's not from that well-known Japanese-Korean part of Boston. Up next, we're going to go freelance and look at the theme for Shigehiro Irie. Uh, Irie used to be part of DDT, but he left the company a few years ago to go freelance. 
And he's been in companies like All Japan, Big Japan, Ganbare, Heat Up, all sorts of places. His theme is by Kiniku Shoujo Tai, which means muscle girl band in Japanese. Off the album Future, this is T2, Tachimukau version 2. is, I think, a fascinating blend of styles here. You, you know, it starts off in a rather dramatic way with the boom. Dun, 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 dun. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. It feels very, you know, elevated and very dramatic. And as it builds, all of a sudden, it turns into this, like, crazy thrash metal, almost like a party song in a way, that's so full of energy and piss and vinegar, but it's also really fun. And it kind of keeps that cinematic flair throughout the song with the whoa, 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 whoa parts. So all in all, I enjoy this song quite a lot, Paul. You know, it always gets me pumped up whenever I hear it. Yeah, and I think it actually fits Eerie really well as well, because if you look at him or if you just see pictures of him, you would think you would probably not really get a very accurate sense of what his character actually is. Because he is just this like big, like hulking beast of a man. Well, maybe not big, but he's just a very imposing figure. Let's put it that way. He's, he's probably a bit more on the Ishii side when it comes to like actual height. Um, but he's definitely a very imposing figure. But at the same time, he generally tends to be actually kind of like he's very much known to be like a very like nice guy, like outside of the ring as well. And I think that sometimes comes across like in the ring as well, where DDT once tried to turn him heel and didn't work well at all, where generally he plays much better as a face. And this kind of feels like it kind of mixes like both kind of the kind of imposing part of his character, where he just is like a very much a physical specimen, but at the same time also kind of keeps like the fun elements of his personality as well. Yeah, it kind of makes me think of like an opening theme to an action anime. Not because it's Japanese, of course, but that mix of the cinematic and the metal. Like, it, it fits that mold of, say, an Attack on Titan or whatever. <laughs> but in fact, the lead singer, actually, Kenji Otsuki, has done various anime theme songs in the past. So there is that. Um, and uh, and Irie, yeah, just looking at the guy, th- there is a cartoonish aspect to him, visually. Like... He is a bowling ball of a man, with like a bright green mohawk and, and chubby cheeks, nice boisterous smile. 
he does look like a wrestling cartoon character come to life. And as well, there's that duality with him, where he may look friendly and he may love Winnie the Pooh, but he can also bring that Smash Mouth style with him to the ring. Just like in the song, you know, it's very in-your-face and very heavy, but it also has this kind of a, a fun aspect to it, too. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, to be fair, Eerie also... I sometimes actually wish that he would be a bit more serious at times as well, because I think he would excel at it as well, if he actually committed to it. He actually has been like taking a couple more All Japan bookings this year, where they have actually kind of put him in the Purple Haze faction where he has been a bit more of a heel and he has been a bit more of a serious ass kicker but not quite fully yet so he has been kind of it actually kind of reminds me of like someone else who i want to be like a bit more of a serious ass kicker and his promotion like never lets him do it like it's kind of like similar to like roman reigns and like WWE, where like he should just go out and kill people and eerie kind of should be doing the same and he just never really is like i said he's a bit more now and purple haze but he, he still could do it a bit more and actually i just realized he's in purple uh, in all japan and he's kind of like rain so that means he's purple rains <laughs> oh my goodness my goodness the the first pun out of the gate is from you of all people <laughs> come on now come on that ain't right <laughs> it's an amazing one too uh, here's something you may not know, Paul. Uh, we talk about this being a very good fit for Irie. That's because it was written for him. Oh, really? I, I looked up some old tweets of his, and he talks about how T2 was written specifically for him. And actually, he has some photos, plenty of them, of him and the lead singer, Otsuki, together, which is pretty cool. Um, I don't know what the song is actually about, because I couldn't find lyrics, but uh, Tachimuko is Japanese for confront or fight. So... You know, for a wrestling theme, it's a fitting title, at least. Yeah, and if history is any indicator, like, a wrestler being, like, friends with the person that, like, writes the theme, like, generally tends to, like, result in greatness, as we've seen with uh, Minoru Suzuki and his theme. Right, right. Um, uh, by the way, do you know what this song would be if Irie's gimmick was that he was a baker? Do-do-do. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> I, I just thought of that. I had to come up with it on the spot because, you know, you're not going to outpun me here, Paul, all right? I got to match you. I got to match you here. <laughs> we need to keep score. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, next up, we'll go to the world of Joshi and look at the theme for Arisa Nakajima. Nakajima, a longtime Joshi veteran, uh, currently one of the top stars in the Seedling promotion. Uh, her theme song, I, I couldn't find an actual artist uh, it's just credited to Seedling, uh, but it's called One Chance.
So this theme is similar to Irie's theme, where it opens up one way, and then it takes a hard left turn and goes in another direction. Uh, in this case, the opening, very subdued. There's the wind blowing in the distance, little plucking strings, and the... It sets the mood for like a big fight feel. And then it turns into Kento Miyahara's theme. You know, it turns into this boisterous techno music that still has the violin underneath it points, but it's drowned out by the techno. And I looked online on the record company's website, and they described the song as a sound that opens the curtain on the struggle for a life-changing day. The coolness with a sense of speed is a masterpiece. And yeah, I'd say that sums up the song quite well, with the initial build-up where things can be tense, but then it's time to go head-first and tackle the new day because you only have one chance. Uh, so I think that is a rather apt description for how the song kind of visualizes in your head, Paul. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think the thing that I I really feel for this kind of theme is, like, I'm not a super regular Joshi watcher, but at the very, well, I don't want, I can't even say that anymore since I've gotten, like, a lot more into Got to Move and I watch a lot more Tokyo Joshi Pro now. Uh, but Seedling, it's, if, dear listener, if you have never heard of Seedling, and maybe even if you have heard of Seedling, I can assure you that uh, it is definitely spelled differently than you think it is. <laughs> it very much is. Uh, but I have, as, as far as Nakajima goes, I haven't seen like all of her matches and I don't really regularly watch Seedling. So I generally just have like kind of stuck to watch like all of the like hype stuff with her. So her against Nan her feud with uh, Nanae Takahashi and her stuff with Kana a couple of years ago. Like I've mostly seen that kind of stuff. And like with this theme, like this feels like a big time theme. This feels like an ace theme. Like it's the kind like what I would always feel for like this kind of song. Like, can you imagine the person coming out to this theme having a belt around their waist or having a title? And if you can, then it's a, or if you can think that is the top title of the promotion, then to me it's kind of a type of ace theme. And this very much feels like it with the build up at the start. It then goes into this like really energetic techno beat afterwards where you just feel like there's someone coming out like who you need, you need to pay attention to and next someone is coming out that you are, that you better respect and that is going to put on a great show for you and that's exactly what nakajima is doing on really like all of her big time matches yeah if you can clap to a song that's yeah kind of a good litmus test for a theme i think and and you know i was thinking about this too it's emblematic in a way of how a lot of Joshi wrestlers are presented because Arisa Nakajima is a total badass in the ring. Like, she will kick your ass bar none, but she's wearing bright colors and she's coming out to this upbeat techno music. So it's trying to showcase, I guess, not necessarily lighter, but a, a more approachable and appealing side to her. Uh, the, the sort of maybe counterbalance the badass and put her in a, a a friendlier light, which I think has been true for Joshi wrestlers for decades. I mean, you go back to the beauty pair or the crush gals. Yeah, they were great wrestlers, but they were also singers. You know, they, they tapped into that idol market. Arisa, not an idol, obviously, but she looks nice and she comes out to this perky music. So it is continuing that tradition of, you know, playing both sides to it. You know, the badass warrior side in the ring and the more palatable side in other aspects. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, at the end of the day, like most Joshi promotions, once the show is over, they still want fans to stay and buy the checkies. So 
you do kind of like need to find the balance essentially where you still want her to be a badass that just destroys people, which is what she's doing most of the time. But then you still want fans to kind of line up around the ring and take a picture with her. And I think that's really where like most of those promotions actually make the majority of their money. So I can't really fault them. But sometimes it would be nice maybe if they could focus on just the ass kicker side maybe. But look, it is what it is. Right. I mean, you know, look at someone like Akira Hokuto, one of the toughest wrestlers ever, man or woman, and she's coming out to a Mexican pop song, you know, Oro (laughs) Delay. Um, Or right now even, you know, I'm getting into stardom more, and there's a wrestler there named Jamaica, whose nickname is the Jumbo Princess. And she's basically the hoss of stardom right now, where she overpowers the smaller wrestlers. And her theme music is awesome. Like, it's so catchy, but... It's this dance club song that aesthetically does not fit her at all. So it's a bit strange in that regard, Paul. Uh, in closing, we can say we need more death metal in the Joshi Pro. And Joshi Pro. <laughs> so we're going to go back to the freelance well here uh, for a guy who started out in Kaintai Dojo, but has since gone on to work in places like DDT, Noah, Wrestle One, Zero One. This is Yuji Hino. And his song can be found on the album Kaintai Dojo 3 Super Best. It's by Samurai from Shan. It's called Evil Flame. there is ever an appropriate name for a wrestling theme, Paul, this is it. Because yes. <laughs> this song is just pure evil. Not evil as in, like, demons or Satan or whatever, but evil as in, I don't care who you are, I don't care where you come from, I'm going to fuck you up. And this song epitomizes fuck you up. It's just crushing metal music. Not fun, not boisterous, just punishing riffs, and pounding drums, and sirens, and helicopters. Like, it just screams, danger, danger, bad things alert. And and given it's a song for Yuji Hino, of all people, I'd say... In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous 
brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's gonna be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably gonna get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off again, that's arena club.com slash VOW net, arena club.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Say this fits the guy quite well, Paul. <laughs> oh, absolutely. This is an I love this theme just as much as I love you, Gino. It's an absolutely perfect fit for him. It's, I mean, this is a man. I mean, how can you not love Yuji Hini, really? Like, like his, like, massive, like, outy belly button. He just comes off. He just slips off everyone. He just... His finisher is called the fucking bomb. I mean, <laughs> how great is that? Like, I still remember when he was in the Champion Carnival, I think, in 2018, I want to say. And he just came and he just wrecked shit. And it was glorious. Like, it was still one of my all-time, like, carnival performances that I've seen. And he, he is just a tremendous wrestler. And I mean, the thing I actually love to like with him the most is like show pictures of him when he was a rookie and he literally looks like a different person. Like he looks nothing like he does now. Yeah, that opening bit with the sirens and helicopters, it's like a monster movie where yeah. the monster has escaped from the lab and the hunt is on to get him because that's who he is. He is a monster. Yuji Hino is so massive. He throws people around. Big lariats, big chops, power moves. His main taunt is giving the middle finger. <laughs> and yeah, his finishing move, like you said, it's called the fucking bomb. He's just a, a big bad motherfucker. And there's really no other choice of music for him than just bone-crushing aggressive metal. Maybe gangster rap. I can see that working for him. But the metal is just, it's so on point, Paul. Oh, yeah. I mean, but if you do, like, Gangster Rap, it has to be something like DMX or something like that. Like, it has to be, like, the hardest possible one that you can find with just, like, a bass line that just, like, drills, like, right into your head. Like, that's really the only acceptable, like, kind of theme for Yuji Hino. And if he is, like, the monster in a movie, like, it would be the type of movie where at the end, like, 
no one is able to catch the monster because he just kills everyone and then just drives off on the motorcycle because that's just <laughs> Yuji Hino. Yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, young Yuji Hino where he's like a total hunk, all, all cut and trim. I like to think in my head canon that over time he slowly gained more and more mass and became more and more of a monster because of the song. Like, <laughs> it, it was corrupting him and transforming him over time like Gollum in Lord of the Rings, just making him more and more evil as time went on. <laughs> we know where all of the evil is concentrated as well. It's in the belly button. That's oh, yes. Out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and fun fact, uh, the guitar player on this song is the belly button. <laughs> Not many people <laughs> yeah, know that fact. <laughs> I mean, I wonder now, like, if you would, like, press in the outie belly button, would he, like, re- like, would he just immediately just, like, shed all the weight and return to being a hunk? <laughs> just deflates like a balloon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. Oh, man. Well, we've covered some singles wrestlers on the show here so far, and uh, now it's time to talk about a stable a stable called Eruption in DDT with Kazusada Higuchi, Yukio Sakaguchi, and Saki Akai. Uh, they are currently the KOD six-man tag team champs, and their group theme is by King Gidra off the album The Ultimate Weapon. This is Heisei Ishin. talking a lot about uh, the blending of styles on this episode. This is another clear example of that. Uh, the, the Japanese hip-hop genre is itself one big blend, you know, taking hip-hop and rap from the West, from America, and putting it through a Japanese lens uh, in more ways than one. Here with Heisei Ishin, there's the standard hip-hop beats and rhythm, but there's a little tinge of East Asian flavor in there too with the flutes. And it's rapped in Japanese, of course, and there are Japanese references in the song, like Heisei Era, Samurai, Shuriken, Sasuke. So for Eruption to have a song like this, yeah, it makes sense because they're Japanese. But as well, they're just a group of, you know, cool people <laughs> with the white jackets, and they all look like Bond villains, and Sakaguchi kicks hard, and Haguchi is a big monster, and Saki is the, the femme fatale. They're cool. And this is a cool-sounding song that gives off a menacing tone. So it's pretty great entrance music for them, Paul. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, it, it does, like, like, like kind of, like, makes, like, kind of the old with the new as well, where you kind of have, like, some, like, kind of traditional elements of, like, Japanese music, like, plays and, like, is it, like included in the song as well. And then you have, like, the rap, obviously, as the modern 
kind of element to it. So it works really, really well for the faction. Like, it, it's actually my favorite uh, group in DDT right now. It's not necessarily a promotion that I watch like super regularly, but I do kind of like try and keep up at least with the stuff that Eruption is doing. So, I, I, and I almost always feel like they actually would fit better somewhere else since they're kind of doing kind of like a bit more like of a stoic thing, which has never really been kind of DDT's thing, even outside of the comedy stuff. So I always feel like Higuchi would be someone that would fit in, fit in perfectly in like an All Japan or Noah. Hopefully he will get his chance to like go there too. And I think like hearing this theme to like him come out to like during like a carnival or like the N1 would would be like really cool as well. And I think would fit really, really well still as well. And I think a really cool thing as well is, is like in this like whole faction has been uh, Saki Akai as well, who like started out as a bit more of like just like a model kind of character and that was really kind of I think like an original background as well. Where now like really like since she has joined Eruption, like she has like tried to become like much more of like a serious wrestler and it really has kind of helped her develop as well. Well I think if you come out to a song like this, you kind of have to be serious, right? I mean, yeah. look at the lyrics. There's a lot of violent imagery here. We're going to have to fight back on our heads and get rid of the dogs today. The core of my heart slashing rhyming. Girls and children go home before seeing the blood. You can't attack me, and you ambush me, and then you kill me. I'm going through my path, the ritual of eating all the enemy warlords. The shuriken that I throw at an expletive bastard in the dark night. The crescent moon that illuminates the assassination. So it's very violent stuff, which is fitting for a wrestling theme. And yeah, if you're gonna have a stable, where the hook is, we are serious badasses who will kick your ass, then this is a good way to, you know, present them as such. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, as I said, like, it, it's very, very violent, and they really are, like, significantly more, like, violent and, like, much more of, like, a physical threat than really anyone else in DDT is really presented as. So, like, this is kind of a perfect fit. And it's also kind of, like, the way they dress as well. Like, like, a, like I mentioned before, kind of you have this blend between, like, modern and kind of classical Japanese and I think kind of the gear that they're wearing like really kind of very well like like shows this as well so really like it just kind of like the theme really like fits to the whole package like really kind of like a glove yeah yeah um I did a little look up on uh King Ghidra uh they're not together anymore but they did spend time in America when they were younger and were heavily influenced by American rap, obviously, and especially Public Enemy. And when they formed the group, they wanted to be like the Japanese version of Public Enemy and bring that socio-political message into Japanese rap and speak out against the education system and commercialism and stuff like that. And the reason why they're called King Ghidra is because uh, in the Godzilla movies, King Ghidorah was an enemy of Godzilla. And the band looked at Godzilla as representing, like, the systems of Japan. So they saw Ghidorah as a hero and a good guy who was fighting against the system. Which, you know, if you think about it, it's a bit ironic because Higuchi's singles theme incorporates Godzilla sound effects. So a little irony there, Paul. <laughs> that is a very weird dichotomy, yeah. <laughs> That's... <laughs> Essentially, Higuchi has infiltrated the resistance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, speaking of singles themes, this is such an odd contrast 
with the singles themes of the group because you know Higuchi comes out to his orchestral Godzilla music Sekiguchi comes out to the song from Kill Bill Battle Without Honor or Humanity and Saki comes out to Gwen Stefani so they they really branched out from their own singles themes with this hip hop song yeah yeah i mean as i mentioned uh Sakekai has been a very different character before she joined Eruption. And I think nothing really kind of shows this more like the difference between like the stable theme and her uh, singles theme as well. Up next, we'll head over to 2AW, formerly known as Kaintai Dojo. But we're not talking about Kaiji Tomato or Dinosaur Takuma. No, no, no. We're talking about the current 2AW openweight champion, Ayato Yoshida. And Yoshida's theme is off of the album Kaintai Dojo 4 Greatest Hits. It's by Makiko. It's called Legacy. <laughs> So we go from political hip-hop to something a little bit different. Uh, I'd probably call this, I think, the most old-school babyface song of the episode. It's just this straightforward, fast-paced rock song with, I want to say it's either a violin or maybe a guitar that sounds like a violin put over it. So there's a, a Celtic kind of vibe to it, I think, but it also feels like that sound is tying it to something classical and traditional as well, which, you know, that's Ayato Yoshida. He's a classic, traditional-looking pearl babyface with the good looks and the purity of heart and spirit. So, you know, it's not the most memorable song in the world, I'd say, but it is suitable for Yoshida's role and his disposition, Paul. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mentioned this before, like, my theory of the ace theme, and this is an ace theme. Like, this is very clearly Yoshida's theme, and you hear, like, this is the top kind of promotion coming on right now. And that's really also like like the feeling you get, like the first time you see Ayato Yoshida and you see an ace. You see like a guy that is the top guy of a promotion. Now, unfortunately, that promotion is 2 EW, so no one watches it. It's also very hard to even watch it, even if you wanted to, because not a lot of it makes tape. Uh, but like whenever like I see him like come out in all Japan, I'm just always like in awe of his like star aura. And I would just wish that he would just be in a bigger promotion but I don't think that will happen. But like, regardless of that, like the theme is like absolutely amazing. But I think it's also just like him in a way is actually held back by the limitations of 2AW because I think the production values of the song are a bit lacking, to be honest. Yeah, I'd say it's definitely appropriate for the scope of the promotion, like 2AW, like. Compare this to Okada's theme or Tanahashi's theme. 
they blow this out of the water for sure. You know, this is not a song that you would hear in the main event of the Tokyo Dome, right? I mean, that, that's for sure. But, you know, it makes so much sense for 2AW and that world and that size. And it makes sense for Yoshida. Again, this song is called Legacy, all caps. Like, it's it's screaming from high heaven. The spirit of Puro lives on in this man. And he is the one to carry the legacy of Kaintai Dojo and 2AW into the future. Which, you know, given the state of 2AW, may not be the most fruitful endeavor in the world. But, you know, for better or for worse, he's their guy, Paul. Yeah, no, definitely. And, I mean... I think it also kind of suffers from kind of the same problem. Like, like, I, like I, I should also, like, because I kind of harp on it a bit, think a bit much, but, like, I do, do love the theme, but, like, I think it kind of suffers from the same problem that, like, the previous ace of, well, what is now 2AW and used to be Kind Tai Dojo, like, Kengo Mashimo, like, where I had, like, a similar feeling when I heard his theme, where it does sometimes sound like a cat getting tortured to death on a Casio keyboard. <laughs> like it, it kind of, it kind of has that weird kind of screaming noise in there, and like it is a great theme, but like sometimes, like like a, like you really feel kind of the lack of money behind it, and where it could be just a much much better theme if like there was some money injected into it, and it could just become like an all time great theme as opposed to just a very very good theme. Well, you know, when Yoshida was in New Japan for that little bit a few years ago he came out to this song and it was weird because his positioning in new japan was mostly among the young lions it was like you know him and umino attached to the hip pretty much but him having this song was a little signifier that he's not actually a young lion right he's like a little step above them and i thought i think we all thought actually that this guy has a good look he's got good skills has some charisma to him as well if he wants to he can jump ship to New Japan and sign with them, and they can make him a star. And Kitamura could give him a new theme song that would be more up to the standard of New Japan and be Tokyo Dome worthy. But unfortunately, that uh, did not happen, Paul. Yeah, goddammit, Taka, why couldn't you just keep it in your pants? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little thing called Taka is coming somewhere else <laughs> got in the way, so... <laughs> not in his life, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, well, Legacy was supposed to be the last song of the episode here, but uh, my friend Paul came to me, hat in hand, and said, Andrew, my dear friend, my good pal, can you add one more song to the list? And because I'm indeed a good friend, I said, of course, of course. So we are playing one more song here, and we're coming full circle, actually. We began in All Japan, and we're ending in All Japan with Hikaru Sato. The Barefooted Wonder. Uh, Sato's theme is by a DJ named Daishi Dance. Uh, this is featuring Yoshida Brothers off the album Daishi Dance Re-Edit Best Time Traveler. This is called Piano Renovation Mush-Up Anthem.
So, I can't call myself the biggest or most learned Hikaru Sato fan in the world, but it always tickles me pink whenever I see him coming out to this song, because it's a real bopper of a tune. And when I think of him, I think of like MMA, I think of hard hit, serious grappling, the gi, no shoes, and here he is coming out to this bouncy electronic house song. You know, like at first glance, it's a bit of an odd pairing, but then again, this is a guy who used to come out to Pancrase fights wearing a maid outfit and cat ears, so what the hell do I know, Paul, right? <laughs> yeah, so this song is an absolute banger. Uh, I think it actually fits really well with his character as well, uh, because you have to remember he is kind of a uh, kind of old Pancrase kind of Pride type of guy, and a lot of people in Pride actually came out to this type of music, so I actually think it fits really well with his character. So, and I think he also, he comes across like really like a badass coming out to it, and it actually kind of like, if you listen to just the song as well, like you will like notice it as well, like how much of a kind of badass song it really, really is. And I didn't really notice this actually until I actually heard him come out to it in person last year when I went to a hard hit show in Japan and he came out to it in the main event and he just looked like the baddest man in the world really, which is really interesting because if you just see him like on the screen, you wouldn't think that about like Hikaru Sato, but like he really comes across like someone that could kick your ass and the song really plays a big part in that as well. Like, to me, it's a top five theme, like, in wrestling right now. Well, here's the thing. When I say electronic music, I'm not talking like DDR, you know? This is not Sandstorm by Darude. It, it leans heavily into the more traditional East Asian music by incorporating, you know, the shamisen, the Japanese lute. So it is more serious than your typical dance music is. And, and you know, I could see him trying to present himself like a hybrid of a modern day wrestler and a classic warrior. That combo of uh, of traditional and modern, that's my interpretation anyway. But, but yeah, you're right. This is a, a real banger of a song and it does try to have that fun, dancey spark to it, but, but keep it controlled and a bit more traditional in a way. Yeah, I think Daichi Brothers also is, I think like a Japanese kind of, drum group or something like that if i remember correctly so i think that's kind of like their kind of i don't remember exactly what they do but they, they are kind of like more of a kind of like traditional like japanese kind of music group plus you know if you look at like some of the other songs that sato has used in his career this is actually like one of the tamer songs he's used like <laughs> he used to come out to i believe you spin me round by dead or alive you spin me right round baby right round like a record baby right round 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 like hikaru sato that guy so yeah. <laughs> you know daishi dance is like beethoven in comparison to that <laughs> so it's just funny to see what this guy has for a taste in music i guess I mean, Sato is a fascinating guy anyway. I mean, as you mentioned, he was a guy that came out to, like, some of his fights in Pancrase with, like, cat ears. And he has kind of carried that on, where, like, in all Japan, he's a bit more of a serious guy overall. But then if you watch him in, like, YMZ, uh, where he is hentai Hikaru Sato, where he's just a giant pervert who, like, will, like, look up, like, female wrestler skirts and will just, like, wear, like, the, the virgin killer sweater, if people are familiar with that and is just a complete creep the entire time and it's hilarious but 
yeah, yeah. He's a very, very fascinating wrestler who I've definitely come to like appreciate a lot more as the years have gone on. I think I read too that Sato used to be in a tag team in Ice Ribbon with Riho, who was like 14 at the time. Oh, no. So, um, yeah, he, he's not always been the straight-laced MMA shooter <laughs> his entire career, that's for sure. Um, but, I mean, I uh, also but, remember, but, yeah. actually, uh, just real quick, I actually remember like one more kind of goofy thing. It was like a, uh, they did like a video package for Evolution in all Japan where like all of the faction like came and like riding on motorcycles, obviously like Tsubama coming in on like a big Harley. And I think at the time Yusuke Okada was still a member. He came riding in on like a Yamaha motorcycle and Hikaru Sato came in on like a little scooter, just rolling in with like sunglasses on his face, just like rolling on the sidewalk while the rest of the faction is just rolling across the street, trying to look like badasses. And he's just hunched on this tiny scooter. You've done it now. You've gone and made <laughs> a big mistake. <laughs> All right. Well, that was Jamming Around Japan, Volume 2. Uh, I know we left out some pretty big promotions like uh, Noah and Dragon Gate and Stardom. But, you know, when you're jamming, Paul, there's no structure, man. You're just letting the music take you where you want to go. Am I right? Come on. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you just got to jam here, you got to jam, you got to left, you got to jam left, you got to jam right, and sometimes you just forget about the second biggest promotion in Japan. No biggie. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you, Paul, for being here. This was your first episode, and you brought the goods, man. You were fantastic, so thank you. No problem. Love being on, and as I said, it's one of my favorite uh podcast on the network and it's just as much fun being on it as it is listening to it any plugs you want to give go right ahead uh yeah uh, you can find my writing on voice of wrestling where as, as as we mentioned before we're in the middle of tournament season i reviewed one show so far from the champion carnival and one show from the n1 both nights one actually didn't review night one of g1 but i'm sure i'll uh, do something for that as well and then obviously still going to continue covering the other two tournaments as well lots of writing yeah, lots of writing. And I'll say this too, you know, for all the wrestling going on right now in Japan, we got you covered here at VOW. You know, tons of previews, reviews, articles, podcasts. Um, I know Joe Lanza, that uh, that crazy man doing G1, N1, and Carnival audio reviews all at once on the flagship Patreon. Um, John Carroll doing the same thing uh, with their podcast, Wrestling Mikaze. And, you know, God bless them. God bless them because... They're not just watching the shows, but doing audio about it too, which I would just crumble under that weight, <laughs> I think, because between that and real life and all that stuff, it, it can get hectic. But again, God bless them for the commitment and getting it all done. Those guys rock. Oh, yeah. No, these two are definitely like, like <laughs> thank you for your service. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Music of the Mat is, of course, part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. You can find all the great podcasts on there at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Mat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. You can discuss this and all past episodes at the VOW Discord. That's VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Discord. If you want to donate to the show... You can do that. Just go to voicesofwrestling.com slash donate and uh, click the big donate button 
beneath the name Music of the Met. If you donate, hey, thanks so much. You're awesome. And of course, rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. Uh, oh, and as well, uh, check out my mini series at VoicesOfWrestling.com called A September of Sabin, where I focus on five Chris Sabin matches from his career all throughout September. So, uh, Paul, thank you again, and I'll see you around. Thank you. All right, for Paul Volsh, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mat is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders.